Wesh, poppin'! Happy Independence Day! <laughs> this is Race Against Me, a platform on a mission to have difficult conversations that are usually pushed to the side or covered in subtext by creating a space that is safe for all people to come, learn, feel, and grow, ultimately leading in the rise of human consciousness. My name is Janelle. My name is Ajani. And today, we're gonna be talking about the Declaration of Independence, our founding fathers, and the principles on which this country was established. The following excerpts are from other Americans discussing what they think it means to be American. Among these voices are historians and writers who think about this topic a lot, as well as individuals from other walks of life who participated in a discussion for the documentary film, A More Perfect Union. Precisely because we are not a people held together by blood, no one knows who an American is except by what they believe. It's important that we do know our history because our history is the source of our Americanness. Historian Gordon Wood. When people wrote, all men are created equal, they really meant men, but they didn't mean any other men except white men who owned land. That is what they meant. But because the ideas are powerful, there is no way that they can get away with holding on to that. It's not possible when you have an idea that powerful and as revolutionary as a country founded on the idea that just because you are in the world, just because you are here, you have a right to certain things that are common to all humanity. That's really what we say in those documents. The idea is that we begin the Constitution with we the people, even though they didn't mean me. They had no idea that I would ever want to make a claim on that. And they'd probably be horrified if they had known that any of us would. But you can't let that powerful of an idea out into the world without consequences. Writer Rosemary Bray. First and foremost, I find it absolutely fascinating in the first quote when they said that because we're not tied together by blood, we are only tied together by history. That is the source of our Americanness. And that is the reason why we're here today, right? Because in the climate that we're in right now, there is conversation happening about what is American, what isn't American, who is a patriot and who is not. And to that, I say, do you even know your history? True. You know, uh, they say no history, no self. No history, no self. You see? 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 So um, I think I think it's we're kind of shifting as Americans. Mm -hmm. Some people are just completely denouncing their Americanness. And, um, you know, and for good reason, America, America has not quite served us in the way that I think we were hoping for. That's what sucks about history is that there's so much, there's so much um, evil. And, you know, our country was founded on, you know, 
on um, the disenfranchisement of many different classes, many different classes of people. Um, But I still think that we need to take a look at that um, and find the lessons, find the, you know, what we do want to, what we do want to claim. I'm going to raise you one and I'm going to say (laughs) that I completely understand. I agree. I completely understand the people who are denouncing America right now. But this is my country, bro. I was born and raised here. Okay, so what I challenge us to do is to go through the Declaration of Independence, recognize the the improvement that we have had in our moral standing as a country or as a population, and then take claim to what it is that we set out to build. Right. And let's do it the right way. Right. We are taught that the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776. And this is the history behind Independence Day. But this date isn't necessarily true. The Congress declared their freedom on July 2nd after bringing it to a vote. The Declaration of Independence was approved on July 4th. And on August 2nd, 1776, 56 members of the Second Continental Congress started signing the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia. So, what did the Declaration of Independence say anyways? I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, let me tell you. So, in the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, what they do is they lay out very clearly why we are writing. It's a breakup letter, boo. We don't want to do this anymore. I'm sorry. Straight up. Because, you know... Like, there's this one time he wrote this breakup letter, and I'm sure when he read the 27 things, he was like, oh my gosh, that is so not me. I couldn't have done any of those things. You're totally tripping. You need to go and, like, collect yourself, and then when you grow up, we can have a conversation like adults. Like, I 100% imagine that's how the breakup happened. (laughs) King George was like, bro, you're tripping. I'm awesome. You haven't done anything. Honestly, they were real bold, and... (laughs) They were real bold, and yes, they are flawed, extremely flawed, our founding fathers, but you know what? We're gonna focus that discussion on another day. But today, we're just talking about the action that they took and the fact that those dudes, they saw what they wanted, and they went out and they got it. They were like, there's no one that's gonna stop us, you know, because King George is trash, and we're over it, and you know what? We're over it and we have a list. We have a 27 part list of receipts. Receipts. <laughs> of receipts. And that's what we want today. We are still looking for receipts. They laid out 27 grievances that they had with King George. But before they even did that, they explained that because we were human, because our creator created us, that we had certain inalienable rights, rights that could not be given, rights that could not be taken, rights that you have, period, as a human. Of these rights included our life, liberty, and what was originally the pursuit of property and became the pursuit of happiness. And when we look at just those three inalienable rights in today's current climate, we as Americans are not free to life, liberty, or happiness. That is being snatched away by so many 
Americans on a daily basis. In the Declaration of Independence, and I am going to read off of the easy version. Pardon me. Okay, I'm trying to help you all out. Maybe. Okay, look, they were talking. They they talked so weird back in the day. <laughs> like old English is hard. It's it hard. is hard. Okay, you just added a bunch of extra words that we ain't even need. So I'm a I, we gonna cut some extra words out for you and get to the point. Right. The one thing that they did say <laughs> is that um, governments we need to be careful not to make quick changes or abolish long-standing governments and definitely to not do them for light and transient causes. And so when we look at the 27 reasons that they laid out, they made sure that they were not light or transient. And I think that the important part is, is that when we do go over these in future episodes, we will be able to see that still to this day, the United States is not living up to the quality of a life that the founding fathers intended for Americans to have. Right, right. Number number one, their first grievance was, um, you know, that King George, King George, mm-hmm. King George the third, the third trace. He refused to approve laws that are wholesome and necessary for public good. Now, <laughs> it's like it's like what what of the dozens of laws have we not passed that was gonna help everybody. So the first one was the GSA Act that did not pass that would limit government spending for conferences and actively restrict corruption. Okay. So 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 this would so this would limit um spend like spending for conferences to mm-hmm. like five hundred thousand dollars, like cap. Right? And it didn't pass. <laughs> The government was like, mm, I, a half a million dollars isn't going to be enough for us to have all the conferences that we need. Sorry. Like, we no, need more work than that. Like, we know. That's like per conference. Per conference. $500,000 per conference. They, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how you need more than half a million dollars for a conference. I don't know because, how you need more than a half a million for a year's worth of conferences. I, know, I don't get that. It's so stupid. Listen. (laughs) Number three. King George refused to approve laws unless colonies gave up their right to representation. King George, America, sweetheart. Listen. No. So, like, the the ability to ask people to give up their representation and still have to follow these laws is something that only a tyrant would do and could do. And I think that this is important and interesting because when we think of a tyrant, we think of a single person. Right. Which goes back to my point of the personification of America. Because now it is America that is acting as a tyrant, but because it is a government, we don't believe that we can be in a tyranny. Mm -hmm. And so I think Mm -hmm. that this is extremely clear, especially when it comes to felons. Yeah. And once you are deemed a felon, you lose your right to vote. Losing your right to vote, that is losing your your, your, your voice, that is losing your citizenship, that is voter suppression, especially when we get to one of these other essence talking about 
um, you know, trial by jury. Trial by jury. The the 18th, the 18th um, grievance in the Declaration of Independence was the fact that there was no trial by jury mm-hmm. and that King George was keeping this right from the American people. Um, well, surprise, surprise. Ha! Um, plea bargains are impeding on this right. Uh, so 97% of cases um, end up ending with a plea bargain and they don't actually go to trial at all. Why can the government pick me up off of the street and take away my citizenship? Yeah. And why does that happen disproportionately to people who are of a more natural hue? Yeah. Especially poor people. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. Where your first crime is that you're colored. And then your second crime is that you're poor. That you're poor. Is you're poor. Yeah. Sit in jail until you can figure out how to get the money. And then once you get the money, God, let's hope that you're not already on probation, right? Mm -hmm. So I just watched the Khalif Browder documentary and, you know, he got in trouble as a kid and then he got on probation and then he got picked up off of the street during a stop and frisk. He stayed in jail because his bail was $900 and it took his his mom two weeks to get that money. And when she took that money to the bail bondsman, they took the money and then told him that there was a hold on him. He couldn't even go home and they just lost that $900. Number 17, they said taxation without representation, right? So, um, you know, they didn't have, well, well, they didn't have none of their peoples out there checking to see how the taxes were being paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we, you know, we vote for our representatives and they vote for our taxes, um, how taxes are still, taxes are, are spent in a way that does not rep- directly represent what the people want. I think um, a perfect example that you're, you're heading for right now yeah. is Sacramento's Measure U. Great how there was a lump sum of money that was deemed to go to underserved communities. And guess who took half of that budget? Who? Tell me. The police. (gasps) You know who's not happy with that? Most people. The community who is asking to defund the police. Right. And we pay taxes. Like, and you know, the government's always like, we have debt. We have debt. Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, I'm like, why do we have debt? Like, why do we have all this debt in the first place? I'm like, where, who, who's getting this debt money? Well, and, and so I, you know, I looked into it just a little bit mm-hmm. and we pay off, like our taxes are to pay off a debt that we don't even own. Mm-hmm. 77% of the national debt is public debt. And 66% of that is held by private banks. And <laughs> this is why we're always bailing them out. Yeah, it's so it's um I, I'm sorry, I just have to laugh. <laughs> I'm just learning. I'm learning. <laughs> like what a scandal. I'm in the wrong industry. We I'm need in to start a bank. I know. <laughs> I know that's the ultimate scammer job. Right? 
Like, like that's ultimate scheme. It legit is to open a bank. Let me hold your money and charge you to hold your money. And then when we lose your money, we'll go ahead and ask the governments for some more of your money so that we can charge you again. Right. Okay. They're going to give it to me and they're going to give me more. Like, back to, um, what is it? Grievance number two. When King George forbid the governor to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance and overall neglected to attend to them. So he violated colonial charter and showed little how little power that um, colonies actually had. Yeah. And I think that we could see this again with how little power that Americans have. Right, right. And we can see that in our electoral college that goes back to the representation that, first of all, the electoral college isn't even representative of America. I have like a million opinions about this. So like that's first and foremost is that if you pulled up all 538 people, that is not going to be representative of what America looks like. That's not going to be representative of the American class system. Why why does this even even exist? I I remember when I learned about the electoral college for the first time in high school. I was like it was like AP gov, right? Yeah. And I and they were like they're like, "Yeah, so everyone cast their votes." Um and then there's just 538 people who make the real votes. I was like, wait. I said, wait. Blah, blah, blah. Rewind. Electoral. Wait, so what's the electoral college? They're like, oh, yeah, there's some people that just, they they basically like read the footnotes. And they're like, oh, that's how people voted. And then they just make their own vote anyways. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, maybe the electoral college is, is um you know, maybe they were like past elected people. Mm -hmm. No. Then I guess anyone can be in the electoral college. No. Yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> they're just chosen. They're just they're just people. <laughs> they're just people. Just 530. It's like so bad. Random people. It's like so bad. It just makes me laugh. Like I'm just like that who what what sociopath came up with this idea? The mm, the conspiracy theorist in me is like I feel like it's all complex by design. To, to make sure everyone is confused we and to make sure. Which brings us to assent number four. Parliament was held only in England to discourage or fatigue colonists. This one, this one, it gets me because all you guys are about to feel what I have to say. When was the last time you had to go to the DMV? Oh, what about when was the last time you had to call Social Security on the phone, the EDD office, any government building, any taxes, anything that we do that has to do with the government is absolutely taxing. It is fatiguing. It is tiring. It is the longest, most boring, most tedious, most arduous process Ever. And I think that it is by design, just like you were saying. But it was a problem that our founding fathers had with King George. You're making things too complicated. Right. You are literally making us tired so that we give up. Goes back to plea bargaining. Yeah. Sit us in jail for so long until we get tired that we just give up and say, okay, I'm guilty. I'll sign it. Let me go home. Yeah. Same concept. And... There is a senior vice president of the Fortune Society, Stanley Richards, who says that in this current climate, it is justice in a water drip kind of way. Right. And that to me spoke volumes. Get it? Uh -huh. Volumes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Be 
because water can be in volumes. Hee hee ha. It speaks volumes to me because right. if you haven't noticed, the bathroom sink in my apartment drips and it is the most annoying thing and i think about how long it would take me to fill up a cup of water uh, right right drip by drip and how annoying the sound would be like yeah. i would just be like dude it's fine yeah. i'm not even thirsty anymore and I'm that not gonna drink. and that is what that is the response that is the picture that i get when he says it's justice in a water drip kind of way right just it's dripping so slowly that I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I don't even want justice. It's fine. It's fine. Right. It's fine. And it's not fine. It's not. It is not fine. This needs to work in a flash flood type of way. Justice needs to occur in a flash flood kind of way. Yeah. Not in a water drip kind of way. You know, we're 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 really trying to plot this out and demonstrate these parallels, this past to present, how oppressive systems transform over time and how to identify them mm -hmm. now. And so we wanted to pull up these grievances that our forefathers pulled up and be able to relate that to real time. And we will continue to do, to do that in future episodes and get a true deep dive onto how things got this way and looking into our history and how that history still trickles through all the way yeah. to what we're seeing now. The government is created to protect these inalienable rights, our right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It is their job to protect them. Where does the government get their power? The power myth, the power myth. The government gets its power from the citizens, right. from us. Right. And if there's any point that we don't feel as if the government is protecting our rights. We not only have the right to alter and abolish right. the government, because that was before we even got to the 27th grievances, okay? We not only have the right to alter and abolish, but we have the right, the duty, and the responsibility. The responsibility. To institute yes. a new government that works to protect the safety and happiness of yes. all of its citizens. Literally the most American thing to do is to create a new government and to demand that we're treated like human beings. Um, and so I, I very much respect that sentiment yeah. of our founding fathers. And I think that we should start implementing that into how we think about where America goes from here. And it's, it's a perfect time. It is an important time. Elections are coming up in just a couple of months. Now is the time that I think while we're tearing down statues and people think that it's erasing our history, I think that we need to focus on what created our history and just breathe new life into it. Mm -hmm. Like you said before, these were not perfect people. But these ideas are powerful. And when you have ideas that are that powerful, they have longevity. Right. They can last. Right. And the responsibility that we have as the new generation is to breathe our ideals into that skeleton, right. into that frame. It is our job to take what we now know to be true or false and right and wrong and to set that up in a way so that we have a world that works for all people. We talked about what it means, what it looks like to be American. Right. American isn't one and all be all. Yeah. 
be American is to share a history. Mm -hmm. And we cannot share a history that we are not willing to admit to. And so, first and foremost, here at Race Against Me, we are willing to share the information that we all have in common, the history that we all have in common so that we can have a better understanding of who we are as Americans, who we are as people, and what does it take, what races do we have to run in order to be successful. Thanks for watching. Make sure that you follow, like, subscribe, check out our personal pages. Yeah, look out for us in the future and stay tuned. We are going to continue talking about the Declaration of Independence mm -hmm. and some of the other grievances that the American colonists had with King George because we are still living in a parallel universe. And so we hope that you watch with us next time. Bye.